My 20s were a decade of trying to figure out what in the heck was going on. We were told something is happening on the streets, so get ready, use your guns against the people. Whatever you do, as best as you know how to live into it, be full-hearted or just quit. Be full-hearted and quitting. Our lives are meant to make us feel very safe and very taken care of. And then what you end up feeling is you don't know yourself in unknown places. Well, guys, we have kind of an interesting episode this week, and we are recording it on the road up the pass between Mount Sherman and Mount Sheridan, just outside of Fairplay, Colorado. And we are in the middle of one of our missions, one of our film projects. We're currently filming uh, what's going to be a phenomenal film about mountain biking and hope and the years that Blaine and John Dale and I had in 2016. But at this point in time, we're only about 40% in. And it's a really interesting space that I thought would be potentially pretty cool to invite people into because normally we just see a project when it's done, when it's polished. And you look at these rides that look very fluid or you hear stories and emails um, or articles that kind of try and flesh that out. But I think it'd be very real to respond in this space of, we're sitting in the cab of the truck because it's too cold and too windy. We're passing around chocolate and adult beverages. And we're thinking about just kind of what the last two days have been. We've got three days to go. So Blaine, John Dale, and Eli Pike uh, are here. And here I'd love in the to cab. Hear, hear what you guys would say. Yeah, I just want to start with the fact that I am freaking freezing. When I think about this film project and the emotions and the spiritual dimension we've had to deal with in a very significant way, I actually think about what just happened over the past three, four hours where we had a pretty cool sequence envisioned, uh, some alpine drone and close-up footage uh, right at sunset. It was going to be a beautiful part of the film. And what we kind of forgot is that when you're in Colorado in the month of June, the backcountry can be really wild and unpredictable. So we rolled into camp and it was windy. We set up, shot some footage here, and then we went up to the pass near Mount Sheridan. And first it was cloudy, then it was windy. And I think where I actually wanted to start is something Eli was talking to me about while we were crossing the first of several snowfields carrying our bikes. And it was, you know, this project, we've had everything imaginable break down, uh, the most recent of which is the cleats falling off Eli, our... Uh, photographer slash director of photography slash a lot of other things on this project. They actually fell off his biking shoes, uh, making it incredibly difficult to ride his bike up into the mountains with us. And um, I, I'd love to just have tossed to Eli and go, you were talking about the themes of the film and what you had to wrestle with. You know, what's it like when, you can fill this out too, but when the upteenth thing breaks down on this film project? Yeah, Blaine, that was... Uh... That was a moment for me where I I fought through many challenges going coming into this shoot and then on the shoot things that like don't happen every day they, it, these are things that happen like once a month or maybe once a year or or never and uh, and this last one was it just it just got me like you know I was 
Now, I want to keep up with you guys. Um, I don't want to crash, go over the front with my camera backpack. So my cleats and my pedals mean a lot to me. And all of a sudden it was gone. So it was kind of like the, the last straw for me. And I really easily, I, I went to hopelessness and I looked up at the, at the light and it was, just, it was just horrible light. The clouds were thick and, uh, and ominous, not, not in an artistic way, just in a, I don't want to do this. In a foreboding I'm way. done, you yeah, know? Totally. I want my cleats. Everyone's freezing. It's freaking windy. I can't fly the drone. Now, like, to be fair, when you say that it was the last straw, like, throughout the course of the day, we literally had flat tires, which, you know, never really happened on these run-flat, tubeless tires we have. We then tried to redo the stands on them, which ended up being a total disaster. Let's see, what else? Blaine's shifter broke. The landing system. The landing system on the... No, the landing system for the drone. JD, was there something that happened with you? Yeah, well, like at 3 a.m. this morning when we met up, uh, we couldn't find the bolt to attach the bike rack oh, to the right. truck. I mean, that was, what, like 16, 17 hours ago? Right, yeah, or four days ago. So yeah, so when Eli, you say it was the last straw for you. Yeah, well, and then on top, I was setting up the... My, you know, a, a time-lapse slider and there's like a random bolt missing. I mean, I've used that, that slider 50 times in the last, you know, year and a half. And this time it's missing the slider, you know, the bolt. Um, just the combination of all that stuff. Just to, th- and just throw in too that we had, um, we had accommodations lined up for our, you know, our, our trip here. And two days before we were going to show up, our host called and said we have a bed bug infestation and uh we're going to be spraying all week you're welcome to stay still if you want but tempting we might have bed bugs <laughs> just when do you ever hear that guy, that kind of stuff so it's it's really clear that like what we're doing is a, is opposed yet at the same time like i'm still capturing amazing beauty and like no one's gotten significantly hurt like yeah, there is a combination of joy and accomplishing what we're trying to do in the midst of what what kind of feels like getting buzzed consistently and harried and yeah, it's just an annoyance, a major annoyance. So, just going back to that cleat to finish up what you were saying, Blaine, I, I was on the verge of losing hope that tonight would be worth anything, and, and so just as we were, you know, we're, we're thinking about the theme of the, what the film we're making, it was really a very an opportunity, of course, we prayed and talked talked it through, which really helped. Um, but uh, just in choosing hope, in choosing to hope that God will come through and that, you know, it, it won't be wasted. And we got amazing stuff. Yeah, that's good. JD, I'm curious what your reaction is, but there's something to me that when we start a new project, if we don't experience... I don't like some level of what we call warfare or resistance. There's almost something in me that kind of goes like we either, if we're not experiencing it, we must not be doing something very important, right? Cause you're not getting shot at. So you must not be the, by the front lines or like, there's a sense of, wow, we're onto something really cool. Um, it's not easy to get there for me though. Like I actually almost chopped off part of my thumb last this past week before the trip. And speaking of ways that, I think normally I would be inclined to interpret that as like, oh, I was just being careless as I was chopping raw sweet potatoes and, you know, 
did a nice number on my thumb and felt a little nauseous afterwards, but like eh, that happens. But when it's in a context and then you begin to add them into each other, flat tires, parts breaking, bolts disappearing one after the next, there's this, I can have like one of two reactions, it feels like. And, and one is, man, I guess there's just like kind of a lot that I have to push through. And the other is, actually, these things are all very connected. And I now get to respond to that. I don't know. What, what do you do with the last two days? And then what do you do with like not being able to find the lock, not being able to find the bolts, just one kind of one thing after the next? Yeah. So Stephen Pressfield in The War of Art talks about the resistance. And I think from our, from our worldview, we would say that we live in a world at war and there, there, there's an enemy. And so what we're trying to do, especially when it's something um, that has a kingdom mission, that it's opposed. And uh, yeah, I think as I came into this, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Like it's sort of been this thing that's out there this summer that was going to be a lot of fun. And to then come into this week and like I remember distinctly last night at the end of the first day of filming, took my wife, Amy, and the kids out for dinner and then came home and just we weren't hitting on all cylinders. There was just this tension and I was finding myself irritated with things. And it's like all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, like this actually isn't us. We're like, we're good, but there's something else going on here. And so we circled up as a family and, and we prayed and, and just invited God into that and, you know, took authority over the ways that the enemy was, was coming to try and do what he does to steal, kill and destroy. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think I, I feel like I kind of underestimated what we were stepping into. And now, you know, being two days into five days of shooting. And frankly, rather than feeling like I'm on some kind of fun mountain biking vacation, I'm cold and absolutely exhausted. But at the same time, I have just tremendous hope for this project because I, I think that I've caught a glimpse, got a taste of of the pieces that we're capturing. And um, so, yeah, it's, um, I, I think it's, it's one of those times where it says when you've done all to stand, then you just have to stand. And I sort of felt that way on the side of the mountain today. <laughs> it's like, okay, I am tired. I'm Freaking cold. Windy is, I'll get out. I'm so trying just to, I'm just there trying to get close to sound to get some body warmth and get out of the you wind. You did seem to kind of keep shrinking <laughs> behind me there. And I didn't really appreciate that. It's, it's amazing how helpful it is actually hearing you guys just process this, even right in the middle. I think the thing that I've kind of been piecing together, listening uh, to you, Eli, explain the background to the opposition and the near reference to Pressfield, John, is like, Maybe this film ends up being really helpful to our friends, um, to our tribe. That would be awesome. Like, you know, you guys who are in our circle of podcast listeners, if you end, if this film ends up helping 
Uh, and anyway, like that would be a massive success for us. But also, like I think we're out here, and you know, the drone landing gear is failing, and Eli has to do like three of the craziest drone landings I've ever seen in high wind. And I kind of have this feeling in me, like, really? Are you serious? Like, this is a staggering amount of opposition for something that, however large it is, doesn't feel that large in the world. And I think that there's one point that is coming up in me as I hear you guys talk that feels widely applicable, which is actually not to underestimate like the opposition to the simple creative contribution that a person is made to bring to the world. Like it feels really small. And yet in walking out your creativity and walking out your gifting, you're actually restoring some piece of the world. And that seems really small, but that is a massive defeat for the kingdom of darkness. And therefore I'm trying to like ride an insignificant section of road today. My derailleur or my shifter. Anyway, a complex thing happens that I don't quite understand in the internal shifter mechanism that John was able to fix. Thank you, John. But it was just like, man, this is a stupid amount of difficulty for something that doesn't feel that significant and yet to be reoriented in the space of this conversation to like, oh yeah, like actually these are all redemptive pieces and even the things that don't make it into the film, like even Eli capturing a great shot, if it doesn't, if it ends up on the cutting room floor, him doing it and operating as gifting is restoring something to creation that Jesus intended to be restored and therefore like broken this, broken that, cut that, injury this, like I think each one of us experienced some kind of a meltdown at home in preparation for this trip and to be oriented to like, I continually underestimate the significance of what my work can actually bring to the world and to be reminded simply by the severity of the antagonism that it really matters. Yeah, that's, that's so good, Blaine. Real love in that is also the connection to JD's reference of Pressfield's quote. His Pressfield's idea is that resistance really happens on the, on the smallest of scales and the largest of scales. Any movement towards creativity or beauty or life or goodness, um, any 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 large or small, it doesn't have to be the most amazing novel written ever before in the world. It can simply be you just having a good attitude that day is actually going to be super resisted or opposed, depending on your worldview. I love what you were saying about that because I, I'm also struck in this moment by not wanting to just name that a mission is brutal, struggle through it, fight through it, because there's almost something that in my heart gets like, I, I almost sigh internally. Like, uh, I want my reaction in those moments to not only be, yeah, I can push through and I can offer good things, but that joy, even in those moments, even in the middle of the mission, like won't get taken away. We just cooked up you know, peppers and onions and some sausages in the back of the truck because that was where there was no wind and that was where it was relatively warm and we're huddled in here. And actually, a week from now, this will be one of those stories where we're like, that was a really great moment. And I want to be more present to those moments when they happen rather than just looking back on them and going like, that was really good. But when your shifter breaks or when the petals vanish from Eli's 
cleats or when I get a flat tire and have to keep riding and then pumping it up really quick with CO2 and ride another segment and then throw in a tube and a tubeless tire, not just to be like, this doesn't matter. And this is just hard, but to be both this matters because it's a good thing. And in this moment, I want joy back. I actually want to jump off with the four of us in this car also worked on a project two years ago. And that film was amazing and had a mixed response and had a mixed impact on us as a team. And Eli, to, to be someone behind the lens offering creativity, this, this could be a whole podcast in and of itself. And yet the question that I kind of want to throw you is um, what is the sustaining hope that allows you to go back and like continue to be creative or continue to do something that you love, even if in a day um, things might not work or in a project, things might not turn out the way that you had hoped or in a reception to a project, it might be a mix. Like what brings you back to do that? In this case, two years later, but because it's your profession, it's it could literally be the next day. Uh, Sam, let's see. I'll just we'll just I'll just go back to as I think about answering that. I'll go back to this moment after losing the cleats and the storm clouds were coming in. There was uh, the camaraderie with Blaine that we shared. Um, you know that uh, there was a glimmer of hope that. Even if all is failing, there is fellowship, there is a brotherhood, and then there was uh, the clouds cleared for a moment, and the sun came, and I was able to get a shot I was really excited about. It reminded me that if I push through the challenge, not only do I grow, but I actually see results on the other side. Rarely in my life has a challenge held me up. Well, never, never in my life has a challenge held me up forever. It feels like it, you know, whether you're sick or you're failing, I'm failing, I'm sick or I'm failing at something. Uh, it feels like a failure, but if I can pr- push through it and, and remain hopeful that something on the other side will, will, will finally come out. I'll finally get the next job or I'll finally see the light and get an amazing shot. And tonight that happened, you know, I felt that hopelessness and I pushed through may sound cliche, but trusting that God would provide for us. Cause we're up there. We're out here doing this, you know, like to try and glorify him. And um, though there's opposition, like we've seen him come through too, which is amazing. It's, 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 it's great for, for faith. I'd love to hear from each of you guys uh, kind of a different sort of question, which is what advice you might give to somebody who is just stepping into something that feels bigger than an adventure. It feels bigger than just kind of like a dream. Like when I take their son backpacking, like that's amazing. That's a dream, but something that might feel more like a mission. What advice, maybe even you'd give yourself 48 hours ago. Yeah. Respond to that. It's funny hearing you ask that question of like, what do you tell someone? First of all, uh, can I just say that like right now, I would also rather have someone tell me something about like making a creative project. And fortunately, I live around guys who like can toss out great lines and 
read Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, which I haven't actually read, but I feel like I have from you guys, and, you know, can, like, give you little pieces to keep going. But um, I honestly think, like, this is what I've been thinking about as we've encountered so many difficulties. It's like, I recognize two things. One, that I'm actually, I can be easily disheartened by like, man, that, that little, even that little relational gesture didn't come off well as, we're, as I'm trying to operate in camaraderie with, you know, family and like close friends and coworkers. And, and now this is broken and now that's broken. Like the difficulty, it really, I'm surprised each new project that it doesn't take a lot to lose heart. I'm also surprised by like uh, how amazing it actually feels like tiny victories. I'll just say one of the things I'm enjoying about this project is, you know, we have a tiny crew for this project. And because of that, something, you know, when we're working on something that's much larger or or when I'm involved in a small way in a major project, you know, everyone's like, yeah, what, what you're bringing to the table matters. Every role matters. And I'm like, yeah, it totally does. But also, I mean, like, not really. Like, there's a lot of gifted people who could probably, who would end up doing the thing that I'm doing if I wasn't here, given the size of this group. But working in a small group really calls attention to like, hey, actually, you know, with four of us, if somebody like gets taken out or pulls back, like, you have about the same chance of like driving a three wheeled car that's meant to ride on four wheels like there's a lot of the significance of individual roles and I think as much as I'm like man I feel like I'm pretty easily disheartened at the same time with like you know all the times when we're like when we decide like the you know we have high wind and we can't land the drone and Sam and John and I circle up while Eli is performing his flying maneuvers and like just pray the drone in that is so strengthening to the heart. I feel like in physical exercise, you get out about as much as you put in, but it feels like in operating in the creative life and in operating your gifting, like I would encourage uh, our listeners to say, you actually sometimes and today, like we'll get out more than you put in. Like the little victories, um, they really do feed my heart. And which is amazing to say, because it feels like you have how much left in the tank after day two? And I've got like, my butt hurts and I've been up since forever. But <laughs> n- nonetheless, it's a, nonetheless, it's a pretty good day. No, totally. So Sam, you ask um, about advice. And I think that the advice I would give to myself or to others who are listening is that when opposition comes, which it will, to any creative endeavor, the, what the resistance is trying to do is dishearten and to get you to stop. And if instead you'll take it as a compliment and push through, that is where the magic happens. It reminds me a little, I think it was Yvonne Chouinard who, you know, has the, the quote about um, adventure starts when, when something goes wrong, although I think he said it much more eloquently than that. But when things go sideways, that's when, like, we have a decision to make. Are we going to press on? Are we going to figure out how to solve this problem? Or are we going to 
pack up our stuff and go home. And I think there's a lot of people listening right now who they feel a call on their life to do something. Maybe they've decided to pick up a pen and start writing or start typing into a laptop, or maybe they've got songs that they want to write. Whatever it is that they are feeling inspired to do, and when they start doing that, these things come up in the way to try and stop that. And it's at that point that I think there's a real opportunity to look at the resistance and say, okay, I must be headed in a good direction because if I wasn't headed in a good direction, this wouldn't be lining up to try and stop me. And so as as we're diving into this project and as we're having the challenges that we're having, it actually excites me about what it is that's going to be on the other side of this. I'm actually a little bit speechless and I, because I, I wanted to throw back to you, JD, um, how does it feel to be stepping into another film um, after so much intimacy around the last film yeah. and so much that needed to be waded through afterwards that truthfully, I think personally, I walked away with a little bit of the sort of internal, yeah, I'm never going to do that again. Right. Um, right. And to find myself <laughs> not the same iteration, but almost literally doing it again to hear you say that you're excited when things are difficult. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to hear, like, hear you say more about what it feels like to be back in the ring of creating a film and back in the ring of offering stories in your life um, in something that doesn't always go smoothly. Yeah, and, and perhaps let me give a little bit of context for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Um, we, the same team and another half dozen people, <laughs> the big, bigger team last time, uh, we created a film called A Story Worth Living that came out in theaters almost exactly a year ago. And it was a beautiful film that we uh, put a year of our lives into. And because of some mistakes that we made in the marketing of the film, there was a segment of the audience that saw the film that felt like they had been misled into watching a faith-based film. And uh, they were very vocal on social media in their response and their anger towards us. And so we, uh, we had a rough couple of months after that film came out as a lot of things uh, were said about us that, yeah, were unkind and um, painful to hear when we had poured our lives in, into something. And, and truthfully, you're, you're actually being very gracious in this moment because you, you will not know the effect that that has on your soul and your life unless you would have experienced something like it. Yeah. To, to, I, mean, to have, I mean, it was, and, and I do want to own like our part in it. We, we made some mistakes and they were mistakes and they were unintentional. Um, but it was one of the most difficult seasons that I've been through in the midst of what 
is uh, was it was a difficult year, which is part of what we're talking about in this film project, although not not related to the last film. Um, and so there is no doubt that it would be a lot easier not to make another film. And as much as I loved the process of creating that film, I've not watched it again since then. Um, and you know, even a month ago when we hit the one year anniversary of it, I, I thought maybe I'll sit down and watch the film again. Cause it's a beautiful, like it's a beautiful piece of art and, and so many good memories from it, but I haven't, and I haven't been able to do that. Not because I don't love the film, but because it's there's just too many painful associations with it. And so to come out here and do this again, um, albeit on a much smaller scale is like it's it's this bittersweet thing that is at the same time scary and at the same time also hopeful because I'm hoping frankly that people's response to this is different than it was to the last one yep that's good I'm gonna take the pressure off you and go Eli what advice would you give to someone stepping into mission or yourself 48 hours ago? I may butcher this, but uh, one, one quote that I've, I've lived by is, I believe it's Theodore Roosevelt, uh, about the, it's not the critic who counts, but it's the one in the arena who's you know sweating and bleeding. And in some ways, it's been a sort of a life anthem for me that... Uh, you know, I, ex- I experience fear on, on a number of levels, uh, especially when it comes to social, you know, standing and how people are going to think of me. But I, I lean on that quote, or at least on that perspective that, and I, and I see it all around. It's so easy to, cr- to cr- critique, to tear down, to, you know, tell someone that, uh, that that's not a nice piece of art or that you should fix something a different way. But the one who actually creates the art, the one who actually fixes the broken item, the one who actually, you know, gets in the arena and, and does, does the work is, um, that, that's, where, that's where life is. And that's where creativity is. That's where production is. That's where, you know, offering something, offering something to the world. That's where that is. And so I've had to turn off those own critiquing voices in my mind, um, or at least ignore them, whether it's just straight up the enemy or, you know, um, just my own self-criticism. So I, I, I think I, you know, I'd go to that. And then and I'd also say that, um, like I was sharing in the car earlier today, that I love what I do. And I love it when it's blowing, the wind's blowing me so hard that I can barely get up the mountain. It almost spurs me on that, like, I can do this. I, I can keep going, and, and maybe around the bend, there will be another amazing shot or another piece of the story that, that will just fit so perfectly in, in that place. And, um, and so, <laughs> not to be cliche and go back to hope, but um, I think I do rely a lot on hope, or at least on on the the wonder of what might be around the corner, and so I'm I'm usually quite 
willing to jump into an adventure, whether it's a creative endeavor, uh, whether it's a relationship that might be scary, or if it's, uh, you know, just going up a mountain. Um, cause I'm always expectant of, of what I might find around the corner. You sound like an optimist to me. But it, it's so true. Like today out there on the trail, you know, we're facing this huge snow field and Blaine is out front and Eli is just running around on the snow just to get the, sh- the right shot. And it's like, it was absolutely inspirational to me because I was standing there like cold, my feet were wet, icy, and I just look up and Eli's like got a smile on his face and he just looks like he's having fun. And that, that just like, that gave me hope. They're like, okay, I, I can do this. My, my feet were, well, you know, when you step, you step in the snow and you try not to get the snow in your shoes. Well, you know, I had to get the shot and I had to get to the right spot and time's taken away. Well, I think I voiced it. All right. My shoes are wet now. Like I, my socks are wet. You know, I, I can give up that one. And, um, and I was, you know, 20 feet up above the, the little trail. And, um, you know, I decided to just have a little fun with it and sit down on my, sit down on my butt and do a little eight year old sledding slide right down. And there was, there was, there was like a, there was like an eight year old joy in that, you know, of I'm working and I'm, and, and I'm uncomfortable, but, you know, have a little fun with it too. So to answer my own question, because that only feels fair, I think that I am often really unaware of two things. And one is the effect of all of the little sentences that go through my head in a day. Like, you don't like this, or this is too hard, or this doesn't really matter, or of course this happened, or all of those things. And whether or not I will sit with them or push them aside can define a day, an afternoon, an experience. It can define a project. And the second thing that goes with that is really closely connected is that I am often unaware uh, or under estimate the effect that I have on a situation. And so I'm really prone to being like, you know what? This is a hard day for me. And so I'm going to let this be hard. And I kind of deserve it to be hard. And um, I'm not going to carry this. I'm not going to be in a good mood. I'm actually going to be a little bit irritable or grumpy or you name it. Pick, a, pick another euphemism for just being a little turd. And I, like, I forget that in a large group or a small group, not only does my internal attitude matter and affect others, but it affects my experience of the entire project. And each of those little things that flip through my head of, you're tired, you're cold, this sucks. You know what you're really looking forward to is the shower a week from now when everything is calm, that when I hear those and agree with them, like I end up missing out on a ton of what I really love. Because if I'm really looking forward to the shower a week from now, 
I, I kind of get irritated and we'll just try to push through this week, which is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, and the advice I would give myself is to, to be aware of those internal shifts and postures that um, sometimes resistance is really obvious. Sometimes it's a flat tire. Sometimes it's a knife coming at your thumb. And sometimes it's really subtle and it's just people are going to respond the same way they responded last time. And do you really want to offer? Or you're pretty tired. You've had a full week. You can kind of coast and let other people take over. And that actually is resistance and that can make me lose out on a ton of what I could be gaining and what I could be offering. And then if the factor of my presence in a group and room isn't on my mind, then how I have responded to those little questions and those little sentences is totally off my radar. And the way that I interact with people can tank an afternoon. I can, I can thwart it without being aware of it. Yeah. I'd just like to switch my thing to Sam's thing. Um, <laughs> whatever. Cause that was just double echo. That's like, that is a huge point in the middle of a project. And I would absolutely say like, yes, as you were saying, the cumulative effect of the internal monologue in each person's role is super enormous. And I do want to throw in like Eli, I'm freaking tired, but I, yeah, this is awesome. It is right. Like you can't, as part of me wants to go, I want to name. I'm so freaking tired. I'm so excited for the sleeping bag. And I've been looking forward to it almost since 3 a.m. this morning when our day started. And also, wait, this is a highlight. Like next week, I'm going to be thinking back to this. So we may be 40% of the way through and tomorrow sounds almost impossible. And yet also, it's like, I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing it. Guys, thanks for dropping by and listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it today. If you want to keep tabs on us and what other projects we've got going on, the best way to do that is to follow us on social media. If you are no longer on social media like some of us, don't panic. You can still keep tabs on what we're up to. Just go to ansonsmagazine.com, join our mailing list, and we'll keep you in the know. And while you're there, be sure to read the magazine. 